Hi, I'm Dan. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jenny. <laughs> this is Rookie Movie Reviews. Uh, we are watching the top 100 movies of all time on IMDb's fan favorite list. 2019. 2019 holiday season. Uh, today we watched Seven, directed by David Fincher. Jenny, what do you think of Seven, directed by David Fincher? <laughs> gotta be one of the top 100 movies of all time yes <laughs> are you a david fincher fan i'm a um i like finches <laughs> i couldn't describe a finch to you it's a dirt bird oh those are finches yeah i hate them i know sit around and ruffle dirt into their feathers to clean themselves counterintuitive mm -hmm. disgusting creatures and they're everywhere Chickens eat rocks, and then we eat the chickens, so we're eating rocks. Like dinosaurs would eat rocks to masticate the vegetables in their stomach. Dinosaurs also used rocks to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact. <laughs> I'm on tonight. Yeah, I'm on like Donkey Kong. Word do sound the same. It's a dirty joke. I'm sorry. That's I'm okay. sorry for the um young young children listening in. Yeah, this is gonna be marked as mature content. Based explicit off, content. Based off that first masticate joke. Yeah. It's gonna be steamy stuff ahead. Um, Get ready. Should we talk about this movie? No. <laughs> do you Let's talk about dinosaurs getting their rocks off. What's your favorite dinosaur? And what do you think that dinosaur's favorite sex position is? <laughs> T-Rex, gotta be reverse cowgirl. <laughs> I, how would that work? Because if he's laying on his back... I'm just tail, trying to think of room for the tail, yeah. Um, it'd be very uncomfortable on the small of the back. Tail's part of it. Tail enters the scene. Should we start over? you want to? No. Then no. <laughs> it's going to be a weird episode tonight, guys. <laughs> um, seven came out in 1995. Almost a good year. Almost a good year. One year off of being a good year of 94. And it is a crime thriller starring Brad Pitt and, and Morgan Freeman. And Gwyneth Paltrow. And Gwyneth Paltrow. Ah. It's starring Gwyneth Paltrow. I. Is she a star? Is she starring just because she's a star? That's a good question. I always viewed starring as the main people. I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow's main. In this movie? Mm, maybe not. I don't know. I guess. She's starring because she's a star. I think the angry police chief gets more screen time than her. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Who's that he's actor? He's not starring. I don't know that actor's name. Oh, I thought you said it. Uh, One who looks like J.K. Simmons, but not actually. Also not J.K. Simmons. Oh, J. John. Arlie Ermey. Thank you. Yeah, he. Uh, that's the guy that I couldn't think of. Because he said, oh, he looks like J. Jonas Jameson. I'm like, that's Whiplash guy. And then I couldn't think of J.K. Yeah. Simmons. So thank you. You're welcome. 
Mm-hmm. I'm just bad at recognizing actors, and it I'm comes full circle in the end. I'm just making a lot of racket over there. <laughs> it's also raining. It's kind of nice. It's kind of yeah, relaxing. It's um, an oh. October spooky vibe in here with a spooky movie. Uh, what was I going to say? We were talking about J.K. Simmons. Oh, you were saying you don't recognize actors, but then yeah. you just recognize J.K. Simmons. So, Well, he's not in this movie. No. So a good test of recall. Pugsley, can you shut up? <laughs> being he, kind of rude and making huffing. He's coy about wanting to sit in front of the window. <laughs> <laughs> I made a, I made a, a second grade level bird feeder with a toilet paper roll and some peanut butter. And I put it outside the window he likes to hang out at so that he can get excited for squirrels. Yeah. I haven't seen any squirrels. Yeah? Ingredients. That's true. I also incorporated some of our trail mix. You had to tie a knot. I did. I don't know if I, I didn't. I don't I'd use scissors by myself. And you need to learn that. Pointy. You need to learn to tie your shoes in kindergarten. Really? Yeah, it's like one of the passive. It's like kindergarten, uh, tie your shoes, ABCs, colors. So there's some real hardcore first grade age kids in kindergarten juvie. I'm like, yeah, I dropped out. I couldn't tie my fucking shoes. <laughs> <laughs> if you what can tie your shoes you before you're six, you're excelling. I don't actually know educational markers, but Pugsley is not excelling the way a nine-year-old should. He is far below the intelligence of your standard kindergartner. (laughs) (laughs) Is this rock food? (laughs) He can't even tell food apart from dirt. And masturbatory tools. And what? And masturbatory tools. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I asked you to repeat that. Yow! I'm moving this train forward with an iron will. (laughs) Movie opens up. 7, 1995. Directed by Fincher. We are watching Morgan Freeman get ready for work. And he arrives at a crime scene. Yep. And he meets Detective Mills fairly quickly. It's like the second scene. Freeman gets ready for work. Goes to the crime scene. Meets the new guy, Mills. Yes. You furrowed your brow, which makes me think I'm missing something already. I'm just trying to think where the coffee scene fits in. Coffee scene? I didn't write down when the coffee happens, but I believe it's in a bit. Because it's like now, it's like um, Monday or Tuesday or something that the coffee scene happens. It's when they're arriving on the gluttony uh, murder scene is when Mills brings coffee. That's Monday. Okay, perfect. Or... Mm, they're definitely at the coroner Monday. Yeah. Anywho's old. Yeah, anyway. We anyway. just get this brief introduction, and then I really liked the, or I guess not liked, but it's worth calling out the title sequence. It made me feel yucky. It was a very gross title sequence. You see a guy shaving his fingerprints and stitching together notebooks and stuff. It's aggressive. See, I uh, I've seen this movie before. And when he was shaving at his fingers, I was like, oh, that can't be skin. He must be shaving a candle. That's how deep my denial went. Oh, but yeah. as far as special effects go, maybe he was shaving a candle. I could. That's a good point. I could see, you know, how when you 
dip your fingers into melted wax or something just to have it shell up and then you peel it off. What happened to wax melters? Like the senses? I'm yeah, I guess I don't live at my mom's house anymore, so maybe that's why they're eliminated from my worldview, but I feel like I haven't seen them anywhere we go. Though we haven't gone anywhere for like seven months. <laughs> Walk into the guest room, there's no senses in here. <laughs> Into the kitchen, where are the <laughs> I demand my cinnamon spice. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds nice for the, the season. Yeah. Get a get a scentsy lighter or a votive candle. Is that is that accurate to say? It's a smell dispenser. I don't remember. It's been so long since we've seen the inside of a Yankee candle. Oh my God! Right. I'm taking us off track again. That's okay. So they meet at, um, Mills is a new detective. He's just come to NYC. We don't know from where yet, but he's a transfer in. And they don't exactly see eye to eye, but Mills has gone out of his way. And he got coffee for Somerset before they go to their first case together. Um, if you want to talk more about the establishing shots of Somerset... So it's Morgan Freeman. We see him get ready for work in the morning. Empty bed, empty house. Man lives alone. Uh, New York apartment. Typical stuff. It's huge. All of these apartments in this movie are huge. Even the dingy, gross uh, apartments of the victims and the suspect are they're larger than our Midwest apartment. You know? Yeah. Well, maybe if it was laid out a little better. But also... I don't know how many bedrooms they have. Yeah, it definitely seemed like, uh, spoiler alert, the, the prime suspect apartment had a giant living room, big long hallway with at least a study and a bedroom and then a bathroom that turned into a dark room, so this massive bathroom. It He was living in a full-size house in New York City. And they definitely hand wave his finances. Yeah. But that's getting way ahead. It's just to say these apartments are ridiculous, including the one of this first murder scene that Mills and um, David Mills and uh, why do I keep wanting to say Blake? Oh, there's a football player named Blake Mills. Um, Somerset. Yeah, Somerset is Freeman. Okay, thank you. So they arrive at the gluttony apartment, and we, oh, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself by saying the gluttony apartment. They arrive at this apartment, and it's fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's cockroaches, and this massive, uh, overweight dead guy with his face down in a plate of spaghetti. And we get to see some headbutting kind of between Somerset and Mills, because Somerset's the established guy a week off of retirement, and Mills is the new guy. And Somerset doesn't really, he doesn't vibe with Mills, and he's incredibly cynical from the beginning. So, just the the first setup, I guess, here, if, I, if I'm going to put on my review glasses, really solid establishment of, of these two characters and what they're about. And, yeah. you know, what they like and dislike, and how they get along. How old was Brad Pitt in 95? That is a good question. I'm going to say 25. He looked older than 25. Who? The kid from End of the Fucking World. Finding out he's 25 really broke my heart and my brain. 
That was Alex something. Yeah. Uh, oh. Brad Pitt. Birth year. Brad Pitt was born in 63. Don't make me do math. Hold on. It's going to be easy. So he was 32? Yeah. Okay. He's 32 and 7. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. It's going to be easy. I was, I was uh, able to tack on the 30, and I had to sit there and think about... 5 minus 3. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just do it though after it's stewing on it <laughs> well wait what month was he born what month was this <laughs> yeah he's 32 and a quarter <laughs> <laughs> i guess um i mean 30's not that far away now no do you think that very similarly to the characters on set uh morgan freeman and brad pitt had the same interaction because he's the older actor and brad pitt's the younger actor He's like, I'm in Hollywood too, Morgan. It's time we started treating each other like equals. And then through the course of filming the movie, they became fast friends. <laughs> I I wonder sometimes, I mean, they all must be friends eventually because they work together. But I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's real character clashes like uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. Oh, yeah. Those are super fun interviews. We still have to watch the director commentary of one oh, of those. Oh, that'd be a fun birthday event. Yeah, that would be a good time. Or yeah, sooner. Just uh, Pattinson definitely gave off the vibe in interviews of going with his emotions. And Defoe is like, we're going to read the script 30 times and rehearse it 20 times and then do the scene. So, fun little character clashes about those two guys. We're really off topic. <laughs> um, we could jump right to that scene uh, after the gluttony where uh, the two detectives speak with Arlie Ermey about whether they're ready for this particular case. Unless there's stuff at the murder scene that you want to cover in a bit more detail. Well, we can cover the coroner and then we can talk about... Um... Oh, yeah. The coroner. So they go see this... Cor they go see the coroner. And I think every coroner is the same. I think you can imagine the sterile lights. And there's this very convincing-looking body on the table. And the... Uh, he's got like purple veins so something happened within him and the coroner can point out there's some rupturing and there's an English please kind of response from Mills English please <laughs> and essentially the man ate until he burst and his, his stomach was the size of Probably two gorditas burritos from Taco <laughs> Bell. <laughs> Very gross. Um, Probably bigger, bigger than a football. Yeah, I was trying to find out who the coroner was uh, from this movie because he looked familiar, but his acting credits don't have any anything that jumps out to me. I wonder if that burp was picked up. I don't think so. I'll cut this whole thing out. Why? We can discuss your burp if you like. Yeah, no. Um, okay. It was throaty. I felt the umbrature of it. Did it vibrate your whole head? Uh, no, I've never had one of those. Mm. I'm feeling kind of like I can't breathe out my nose. Should we pause this and come back or you want to power through? No, I can power through. I'm just getting over a cold that I hope isn't COVID. Yeah, waiting um, on the results. I don't feel like shortness of breath or anything. But I'm also hitting probably five out of the seven key symptoms. 
No fever either, but low grade fever can like. <coughs> oh, sorry. Tried to warn you that I was about to have a coughing fit, but it just came on. Well, now you're coughing. Oh, that was because do I you have COVID? Wrong. Whoa. Should we talk about what we're drinking? Because we tend to. Today we're having a nice margarita. Yeah. Um, El Jimador tequila. Yeah, which is middle shelf, I believe. Mr. Boston triple sec. Is it? I don't, I don't know. It. It's just they had two types of tri triple sec at the grocery store. And, um. Oh. Fuck. Do you and need a break? It's like $10. No, it's past now, I think. But triple sec. It's an orange liqueur. Yeah, there's not a big market out there for it. I think there's three kinds. <laughs> and the local grocery store carries two. Sometimes margaritas call for Contro. Which is a different kind of liqueur. Oh. Which is really expensive. Okay. Yeah, um, I saw that there. Maybe if we uh, ever have an actual celebration. Instead of a Thursday night. Thirsty Thursday is cause for celebration. Yo, um, what's our cause for celebration? We watched Seven. Yeah, we're getting back on the mics. Yeah. Also, I've been so tired lately. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, bad. That is a cause for celebration. Uh, <laughs> Not taking two naps today is a cause for celebration. <laughs> Your nap count is... It's forfeit if you're sick. You know? It was one nap today that was half an hour. Whereas my naps have been like two hours. Or two or three hours. Four? I don't... Did I do a four hour nap on Tuesday? Mm, Wednesday? If you stitch them together. Then yes. I slept for like 14 hours. Pugsley would be proud. He's sleeping right now. He sleeps like 20 hours a day. He's sleeping with his face Boy. pressed against the wall. <laughs> He's so cute. You look grumpy that you woke him up. Uh, are we stalling because we don't feel like this episode will be that long? Oh, that's a... <laughs> that is a folly. <laughs> this won't be that long an hour and 20 minutes later <laughs> I think the worst part about it being so long is the editing otherwise I think this is normally really fun yeah yeah I agree I like you yeah I like you wow Aww. announcing that to the world for two episodes in a row because <laughs> we dropped that we were dating last episode well and we still like each other positive affirmation. can you imagine like Seven months, just us. I still get along. we're still getting along, yeah. which is crazy. It's been pretty easy. I feel like it hasn't been seven months, just because time flies when I'm with you. Thank you. That's You're very welcome. Sweet. Time flies when I'm with you. Uh, that makes what I'm about to say even more ridiculous because it's not cute or romantic at all. Let's have it. My cookie clicker run started 38 days ago. 38? Yeah. We're at 38 days, and I think you started a day after me because I was so mad that you caught up. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's really nutty to think. I just had cookie clicker going for over a month, and that feels like not that long compared to how long we've been hiding in our apartment. Feels like a week of cookie yeah. clicker. Yeah. I agree 100%. You look at it, it's fucking almost 40 days. It's crazy. I can't believe I haven't read more books. I've only read like three. In your entire life? 
in quarantine. <laughs> um, Memoirs of a Geisha, Circe, and um, maybe it's just two. It's more than I've read. I've only read part of Sanderson's trilogy. What is that damn series called? The Light One, his main one. Do you remember what it is? Mistborn? Not Mistborn. The Light Killer Chronicles? The, the Lightbringer? Uh, Stormlight Archives. Ayo. And then the first one is like Way of Kings or something. <sighs> okay. I got halfway through Way of Kings. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so the scene culminates in. Okay. <laughs> so the gluttony scene happens. They go to the corner. They get all the grisly details. And basically the corner scene is to show that the villain of this movie is really fucked up and really no. driven. Um, no, no, no. So they think it's just a case of a fat man like having an, a heart attack or something. Because, oh, you know what? This, how far are we in anyway? To the podcast or the movie? Podcast. 20 minutes. Jesus. Okay. So the first murder that Morgan Freeman goes to isn't with Mills. It's just a shooting. And he asks, were the kids here? And the cop's like, always you with the fucking questions. Yeah. yeah. We're so happy for you to be retiring in seven days. Fucking hate you. <laughs> the exposition. He was very mad at Morgan Freeman for caring about children. And then we meet Mills. Yeah, and Mill then, shows up and he's all like, oh, I'm a new guy. So that's his. That's the second murder we see, technically. The, the gluttony one? The fact yeah. That, yes. Yeah. And everyone has the same blase. Like, no, fat man just died. It's whatever. And at the coroner, Mills points out that there's a laceration, some kind of bruising at the temple of the fat man. And he's like, hey, that... Kind of looks like a gun. And the coroner confirms, and it's like, ah, we got ourselves a homicide. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I think, I forget the exact order, but after this is when the sergeant, played by Arlie Ermey, and Mills and yes. Somerset all talk. and Precisely. Yeah. They, so Somerset says, this can't be my last job. It's going to go on and on. And wow, Mills that's says, a really good, <clears throat> that's actually pretty good. Thank you. And then, uh, uh, can you tell me about Red? The movie Red? No. Um. Because <laughs> Morgan Freeman I mean, <laughs> from Shawshank. Oh, I don't remember that speech at all, uh, or any of Red's speeches. <sighs> but uh, then Mills says, "Hey, if he doesn't want, <laughs> give it to me. I'll take it." And then Morgan Freeman says. You don't. <laughs> You're not ready for this case, Mills. And then Arlie Army says, Neither you get it. Shut up and leave. Um, and basically, it's it's a three-way power struggle. Of, uh, you know. Sounds like a T-Rex's kind of night. <laughs> Good God. But it, it ultimately ends up with Mills being taken off the case. Or uh, Mills being taken off the case and put onto something else. And yeah. then Somerset 
is taken off the case and he gets to just kind of ride the week out. But then, as luck would have it, the next murder that Mills gets sent to happens to be number two in this uh, seven-part murder series. He goes to the office of a very rich lawyer. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday now, yes. So on Tuesday, Mills arrives at uh, this high-profile murder of a super high-profile lawyer. And he's got greed written out in blood across the floor. And then concurrent to this is when Somerset, or not concurrent, it's like later in the day, Somerset goes back to the murder scene because something is nagging at him. And he checks behind the fridge and sees gluttony written in grease. So now we got gluttony and greed. Oh boy. Yeah. Also, we meet the DA on Tuesday. And I love this about cop procedurals. You always meet the DA. I don't know how realistic that is. Also, shouldn't the FBI have been called by now? Or are they not called that often? I don't know. The, the, The DA is always saying, don't fuck me on this. Or my hands are tied, detective. Remember you... last time I stuck my neck out for you? Shit like that. <laughs> no, cop shit. Did you ever see iZombie? I saw it like an episode or two. Okay. I think they're all like, I mean, iZombie has more comedy, but it's always like you're at the corner and you go to the murder scene and everything's hard boiled and God, detectives are so, they work so hard and the cops, they fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cops are always fucking up the scene. Yeah. I, this murder movies, you know, true crime, it's always formulaic. I think this movie isn't formulaic exactly, but it definitely takes certain elements we've all seen in dramas. Yeah, I'd agree 100%. It's just particularly well acted and well shot and well written. It's um, it's really snappy. I, I definitely never felt bored watching it. Um, oh, yeah. So even if it is super formulaic, really epitome of the formula. That's yeah. for sure. And Eli Gold is the wife? or the Eli Gold is the murdered lawyer, and okay, his okay. wife has blood around her eyes uh, in a painting okay. in, or a picture. In the, I mean, Eli is a boy's name. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it's a biblical name. Ooh. Well, there's probably some reason no i don't know what david is a biblical name i think that's just maybe that's a consequence of a christian centric existence will i am (laughs) he's not in this movie that is a uh fergalicious reference well i am a fergalicious reference he's a black eyed pea right yeah fergie's definitely the most prominent I don't think William's biblical. I think it's a tight race between Fergie and Will I Am. I don't even know the other two. One's got long hair and he break dances, and the other is basically supposed to be like a robot or something. Uh, Leonard Skinnerd. <laughs> and um, okay. a Dalek. Leonard Skinnerd and a Dalek. <laughs> that's the that's the character <laughs> no. cast of Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> Why would you go to Leonard Skinner for a long-haired man who breakdances? His, his live shows are crazy. 
I'm like, free bird. He's like, no, check this out. <laughs> I'm going to break it down. Anyway. That was not like any Leonard Skinner performance I've ever seen. Have you seen Leonard Skinner? No. Well, hmm. What about, um. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back on track, Dan. Uh, Somerset goes to the library. Because he's made the seven deadly sins connection at this point. Can No, no, no. Can we talk first about how he's made the connection? Because this guy's wicked smart. The coroner or gives him, he gets a little jar of plastic pieces. And he's like, these were fed to the fat man. And Somerset is too curious for his own good because he's supposed to be out of it. But he decides he's going back to that apartment. He's cutting in. And he's looking all around and somehow the two gouges in the floor speak to him and he matches up the plastic pieces to gouges in the floor. He examines the fridge. He realizes if he pulls out the fridge, that's going to make the gouges. And behind the fridge is the word gluttony. And a note with a biblical verse that it's like long and hard is the way from hell to light or something. Just something. It's like. a Dante. Oh, okay. Just something about... You know, the start of your hero's journey here, Somerset. You're going to have to climb your way to the light. The hero may deny the call, but he must accept. Yes, and I really like how Somerset basically denies the call for the whole movie up until, like, the last quarter. And he says, okay, I'm going to see it through. But he is... He's basically just like, I'm super curious and really smart about a lot of things. So I'm just going to drop some hints for you. I mean, his intelligence is probably why he became a detective, but he's just so disgusted with the world. Like, he talks about how he doesn't understand the city anymore. Just the other day, there was a man walking his dog, and he got attacked and stabbed in the eyes. Just for the fuck of it. Yeah. And he wants to move upstate, presumably. They never say it's New York, but it's New York. <laughs> yeah, it's a city. There's an upstate. Maybe maybe it's because they don't want to say New York City. <laughs> Which is a real pain every time you say New York City. You have to put the twang on it. And that would just ruin the tone of the movie. It's a very dark movie, and that's a very jovial kind of phrase. But you have to say it like that. So I understand why they work around it. Yeah. Much like I am going to for the next hour <laughs> that we're recording. No, we're going to finish this up. Okay, so Tuesday, I'm in love. Yes. <laughs> Thursday, Friday, break my heart. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> the doofy guy from The Cure comes out. <laughs> hey, guys. I have really spiky black hair. Isn't that crazy? It's probably just from one era of The Cure. Heard a knock on the ceiling. Probably a ghost. That apartment's been empty for 20 years. <laughs> One thing I liked about this Tuesday thing, right? So uh, Somerset's at the library reading about Dante, and he's basically reading entire epics in one go. And then, meanwhile, we see uh, Mills at his apartment. Watching the Knicks. He's watching basketball, and he's just staring at the crime scene photos. He's got them all spread out. And I thought it was kind of cool to say, like, hey, because I don't know, I think this is the third time I've seen this movie. 
But on all the previous viewings, it's like, oh, Somerset's the real smart guy. And this time I realized, well, Mills is really smart. He's just more um, impatient and has his set, like, we're going to find it in the truth of what is in front of me. And Somerset is willing to step back. So he does have the wisdom and all that. But they're both still very intelligent and driven. And I think this little back and forth scene of Somerset hanging out at the library reading poetry and Mills hanging out at his house looking at dead bodies is just kind of a, a way of saying they're both they've, they've got styles you know yeah that's all I gotta say about Tuesday perfume have we even talked about how Somerset came in talking about how there are seven sins yeah that's when he made the sin connection I guess okay he basically said you're gonna get five more of these I'm out and then he wasn't out he was too curious there are also seven days in the week. I wonder if that's connected. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Of course it is, because we get the title cards for every day. And now that you mention that, we haven't really gotten to the point yet, but the friendship over the course of the movie feels totally natural and well-built. But if you think about it in context of actual humans living in a work week, these guys go from disrespecting each other and wanting new partners and arguing with one another in front of their sergeant to being very best friends in a week in less than a week because they kind of reach that mutual respect closeness by Thursday you know well that is that is after the dinner which happens on Wednesday which Gwyneth Paltrow is a catalyst too so anyway, Somerset researches all night, like all night, and he calls out the security guards for playing poker when they have all these books, <laughs> which I, is that pride? Uh, is Somerset showing some pride? That's a good point. I think it is a bit prideful. And then the, the security guards are gluttonous for not, I mean, they're just having a bacchanalia, a sober bacchanalia of card games. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Mills is pissed because he gets this thick, thick packet from <laughs> Somerset about hints to poetry and big books and stuff like that. And on the sly, he has gotten an officer to get him a bunch of cliff note books that get delivered to his car. And it's Dante's Inferno, Paradise Lost, yada yada. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what? The quote on Behind the Fridge might have been from Paradise Lost. Maybe. Instead of... I thought it was from the Bible. Well... So... These are the books. I think... Um, I've always kind of wanted to get into... Stuff like the mythology around the Bible. Like, I always think that's kind of cool. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy shit There's so much. On. There's, like, Kabbalah magic. And... Just, what the hell? There's so much. There's so much to learn out there but also i like watching my hero academia so <laughs> i'll do that too there's a lot of lore in that anyway both men are in the office mills working at the new office and he gets a phone call somerset's like that's with territory you answer that and this is wife calling uh <laughs> which i'm glad we've never run into this like we're in the era of cell phones mm-hmm I would call you at work. 
It yeah. would be bad. You'd get in trouble with your boss. <laughs> I would answer. You could call me at work with a cell phone and I'd answer. That's the whole thing. They don't know if I'm calling you on the cell phone. Mm. Anyway, Gwyneth is calling. Uh, do we ever get her name? Tracy. Tracy's calling and she wants to talk to Somerset and she invites him over to dinner. And it's nice. I don't know what she made. That doesn't matter. Their house is still unpacked. <laughs> she made a lovely roast asparagus and a mashed potato side. They opened up with some light salads. And then they finished with a couple glasses of wine. So it was just salad, asparagus, and <laughs> <laughs> They're vegans. It's it was... the 90s. They're not sure how to do it so yet. It's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> crazy train goes by subway a subway which makes me think where the hell do they live a ground floor subterranean or they just say subway to be like train going by well i don't know when we went to new york there were subways above apartments and stuff like really really close next to them but they must be it must be like a bottom floor that gets shooken subway Shook. must be a colloquial like just a term you know because doesn't sub mean like subterranean so when it's under it's a subway but then when it goes up top and it's a bridge above a road like that's not technically a subway anymore but you're not gonna be like now it's a train track and then when it goes down the it's fuck a subway. are you talking about the, cause <laughs> the, the the whole thing here started because mills is like as soon as their whole apartment starts shaking mills says subway right it's the subway but unless they're living underground, it couldn't really be the subway. Well, how do unquote. we know it's not Jared? Just marching by. Yeah. <laughs> I'm off to get some sandwiches and underage children. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's a subterranean way. Yes. And it turns into a work session. He gets invited over to dinner by the wife. I'm not going to go over to a co-worker's place and start talking about how we can sell insurance better, you know? Yeah. Maybe I would. It depends what co-worker. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of them have some crazy ideas. But Somerset's not even on the case. Not supposed to be. But, yeah. They decide they're going to go see Mrs. Gold. And Gwyneth wakes up in, like, the middle of the night. Just her face down on the mattress. Did... What was she doing while they were working? Did she just, like, keep drinking and pass out on the bed? Well, I, I kind of... <laughs> she should not be drinking either, because as we find out later... She didn't know. <laughs> um, True. I've definitely... If I'm visiting family or something... like you I get too drunk at, at your shit. Yeah. Not even uh, drunk, but uh, I'll eat a ton of turkey and then just fall asleep on the couch in the middle of everything, you know? Yeah, but if it's, like, if you, okay, if you and I have a dinner guest over, and you pass out in the middle of it, without being like, going to bed, putting on my jammies, I'll be mad at you <laughs> the next morning. Okay, here's a equivalent scenario. Let's say we have a dinner guest over, a good friend of mine. You're playing video games all night. And I'm gonna say, hey boys, I'm going to bed, keep it down. Yeah, <laughs> Keep it down, boys. Hey. Okay, fair enough. I'll say au revoir. And I'll brush teeth. 
I'll brush teeth and put on my gym jams. Walk back and forth with a toothbrush. I don't give a fuck. What I really liked about this is that they cut immediately to a scene where they're talking turkey and discussing the crime scene. And they identify that the one piece they... Excuse me. The one piece they need to focus on is the wife. She's got the symbol around her eyes. So they kind of wind down. Oh, shit. That means she would see. Yeah. And then she (sighs) does see. But what I liked is it cuts cuts very sharply to it to show that you know it, it almost is like look they are so driven to solve this case or they're so obsessed with this that it was inevitable just kind of barges in there and then on top of that Mills says alright I gotta walk the dogs and get to bed so get out of get my out. house <laughs> and then I forget what Somerset says but he basically points this out about Mrs. Gould and then the next scene, they are both going to her safe house in the middle of the night because they're like, well, we got to go do it now. So um, I, the scene just goes to show that so, like Mills might be the new guy, but they're both equally obsessed and have this obsessing, uh, obsession with solving the case and figuring out what is at the root, you know? Okay, yeah. I, I like Mills has the heart, not the gumption. Yeah. He's not going to sit down and read four hours of books, you know. But anyway, they go to Mrs. Gould and they show her pictures of her husband's gruesome murder scene with little post-its <laughs> over his body. Yeah. <laughs> okay. She's in hysterics. They're like, and look closely. <laughs> well, it works because she suddenly stops her hysterics to be like, wait a minute. That painting is upside down. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. fucked up. And they know, obviously, this murderer. I don't know if they say it out loud that it's... No, yes, they do. Sorry. I don't think it gets verified by someone higher in the police department. But they're like, this is the same guy doing this shit. So they know this guy is clever and tricky. And they go check out the painting. Something must be wrong with it. Somerset notices the screws are upside down. And he brings out his switchblade, which he carries around because he's a hard-boiled New Yorker and he cuts open the frame but there's nothing there so what the hell and then he climbs up on the table oh Somerset's climbing up on the table now and he brings out black dust fingerprint dust and he catches some prints and we don't find out until later but these prints are printing out help me Mm. in dirty finger oil and they bring in the, the fingerprint team, they dust for prints, they search for a match, and it takes a long time, so they fall asleep on, a, on the couch outside the computer lab where they're checking for matches, and we segue into Thursday here. But what I said earlier about their friendship being very quick, I think that this is meant to be the point where they're in it together because yeah. they're like Mills is leaning against him you know, snoozing on his shoulder and Somerset's asleep and it's just two two buds catching some Z's on a couch outside the fingerprint lab. Just two buds yeah. chilling, sleeping together. They identify the fingerprints and they think this is our man and they round up all the cavalry, including Dr. Cox, who's the leader of the SWAT team. <laughs> and they get in this well, ridiculous uh, 
convoy of cop cars, which I guess isn't ridiculous if you're going to bust in on a suspected two-time gruesome murderer with machinations of the trade. But. Well, isn't the thing that they find out it's this Victor guy, and in fact his lawyer was Gould, but Somerset says, oh, there's no way it's him. Yeah, this just doesn't match. It's can't be our guy. So the the SWAT team's going gung-ho without without the middleman approving it. Yeah. So that's another miscommunication between departments. I mean, that oh so common. And they, the SWAT <laughs> team refers to the detectives as uh, dicks, which is probably, uh, I'm just now realizing it's probably a reference to Dick Tracy, but uh, at the time I just thought they hate those guys, so they're calling them dicks. Oh, I got the, is it, is it steady? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, they, they roll up on this apartment, kick in the door, find the body of this guy in bed. On the way over there, they do talk, Mills and Somerset talk about gun use. Mm, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. I like it's, that scene. Yeah, it's really important because Somerset's never fired his gun in 34 years. Mills says, oh, once there was some junkie and a one of my fellow officers got shot. God, what was his name? I rode with him on the ambulance over. God, what was his name? Yeah. So he's already desensitized. He seems so young, but he's he's already used to some shit. Yeah, it's really, really heavy. And uh, it's also crazy that someone said, you know, he drew his pistol three times, never, never shot it. So, yeah, really good conversation. They arrive at the apartment, bust in the door, find this body on the bed, and the SWAT team thinks, oh, this is our guy. They rip back the sheets, and it's this skin and bones, corpse-looking thing. And they find out that this guy, he had his hand cut off, was used as a prop to put up the fingerprints as a false lead. And then Dr. Cox is leaning in, looking, and all of a sudden this body just like it's yeah. still alive but fucking horrifying they bring over a, an ambulance and the doctor basically says you know that guy was tied down for a year kept alive with adrenaline pretty much and uh he's still got hell to look forward to you know so he's had the worst excruciating pain imaginable and then since he was revealed earlier to be a pedophile um and assaulter uh he has hell to go to. So kind of like, damn, this guy got the extent of mortal punishment. <laughs> and then with all the religious themes of the movie, he's going to get the extent of religious punishment as well. What's that? Uh, he's sloth. And he's full Thank of lesions you. and he's been injected. Yeah, sloth as he was. Kind of, I wonder if this is intentional because the end of the movie raises questions about this too, but He's sloth strictly because the killer kidnapped him and tied him down to a bed to force him to be sloth. So he's kind of making this narrative fit, even if the person doesn't really fit. It was just convenient. So he's like, well, that's got to be sloth. I think that makes sense because this killer is pointed out to be fallible later. Anyhow, he's alive. He's alive. Fucking crazy, but if you shine a light in his eyes, he'd die of shock, you know, so uh, they don't get to interview him, and he chewed out his own tongue a long time ago. 
No information to be gotten from that guy. Now we uh, run into Friday. We're looking at down the barrel of well, Friday. Just um, like in real life. Is it still Thursday when they meet the photographer? Uh, yep. Yeah. Because, okay. so we have to talk about the rest of Thursday. Mills and Somerset are there, and Mills goes to chase off somebody who says he's a photographer for some newspaper, and the photographer takes his picture, and he chases him off, and we find out cops will take bribes for information. Like where a body is or other things. <laughs> and then Tracy calls Somerset and she's like, I need to talk to someone. This is uh, Friday morning that she calls. Um, or is it Thursday it's night? It's Thursday night. She calls asking if they can meet. I see. Thank you. Got yeah. Crossed, no, that's okay. Um, but anyway, now it's Friday morning. Tracy and Somerset are meeting for coffee. And she's talking about how they used to live upstate. She taught fifth grade she's looking for schools now but they're so underfunded it's depressing and she's pregnant she hates her life yeah. it's really sad and what's even more sad is when morgan freeman hears she's pregnant he's equally crestfallen as she is like she's despairing that she's pregnant in this place she hates and he's despairing because she's going to bring a child into this world that he hates because he's the most cynical person on the planet. And it, it's a really sad, sad sequence. They, they both kind of realize, I'm pregnant and it's horrible. And um, Somerset advises her to never tell Mills if she gets an abortion. And if she doesn't get an abortion, then spoil the child every single day. Because you're bringing it into a nightmare world. <laughs> so make it a good life, you know. Oh, we Oof. also get backstory about Somerset. Yes. He's never been married. He got close once. His wife, his not wife, had to terminate. Yeah, he convinced her to terminate. God. Like I, I wore her down after a few weeks of telling her to get one. And then she I, did. Uh, what a conversation that I'm glad we don't have to have. <laughs> To start your day with. Oh, God. Having breakfast and talking about the existential crisis that is life. Yo, but, that's nihilist. Yeah. That's natalism. Natalism well, is the idea that to be born is suffering. Oh, really? So it shouldn't happen. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, but, well, now I am. Thank you. Or anti-natalism? I wrote down that Somerset discusses sins. Yo, he writes down some sins, boy. I don't remember what that means, though. It's him and Mills. And I said, we're taking a field trip to the library. But, I don't know, if I don't recall the exact details. I do, back at the office, Somerset says it's a discredit to call him loony. He's just a patient man. Oh, yeah. And then there's another diner meetup with the FBI agent. Maybe it's the same diner. Well, he calls it a... They call it a pizzeria later on. Uh, so, different spot. That'd be fun, though. Just, oh... I hope this guy doesn't say, what are you doing here again? Because then I'll have to come up with a story for breakfast. <laughs> and what a, <laughs> what a zany comedy. <laughs> uh, FBI... So we find out... 
Um, this probably is true, that the FBI runs a list on libraries, and if you check out books that are like Mein Kampf or too much about the devil, I guess, <laughs> they'll keep your name, and we can get a printed out list of that name. Legal, illegal, doesn't matter. <laughs> so they get a hour later, they get a printout of a name, and they get the address of this guy, Jonathan Doe. They go to his apartment, and they're just going to talk to him. They're just going to talk to him. But as they're knocking at the door, someone comes out of the elevator with his groceries, and he sees the two of them, and he just, the figure at the end of the hall opens fire. And then a very thrilling chase scene ensues. Pretty good chunk of runtime here, and all I wrote down is that the camera work was super uh, good. It was like shaky cam, but still legible. Like when the when the detectives were getting shot at by this John Doe person, who's that's what his name was registered as at, at the library, John Doe. When they're getting shot at, the camera's you know ducking and shaking with them, but you can still see them. It's not like Jason Bourne or anything where you can't read anything that's happening. Uh, so really great camera work, and then a really exciting chase where Mills is on top of it, and we get to see Somerset kind of work out a different way of doing it because obviously he's an older guy closer to retirement it's not gonna keep up with mills so we get to see him think about like where he's at in the building and he's behind the whole time but he's still he's not that far behind he's just got a different approach i guess this is a good way of showing how you know earlier in the scene we get that comparison of research with somerset at the library mills looking at photos and somerset gets a headway and here we're looking at a chase scene Mills is on top of it. Somerset has to play catch up. And Mills, I guess you could say, gets headway. He gets bested and beat and almost executed, but um, ultimately he's the one on the tail. So, yeah, but he yeah. does get the shit kicked out of him and a gun to his head. Yeah, and then uh, John Doe makes an escape as Somerset comes around the corner. And what cracks me up is that immediately after they're going to Mills wants to look in the apartment because they know this is our guy. And Somerset says, well, how are we, why are we here? You know, we have no reason to be here. Uh, we need a warrant. And if you kick that in, then they're going to know about the book list. The whole thing will be shot. Yeah. So he kicks it in anyway and says, well, we have no choice now, do we? And they get a homeless woman to uh, kind of say that she saw some weird shit going on. Mm -hmm. And she's got this really ridiculous story and... Mills is basically saying, and then you saw him come out, right? And she says, yeah, I saw him come out. So that's enough to justify a warrant. So they get to uh, look around this guy's apartment, and it is fucked up. Yeah, it's huge. It's enormous. And there are compound notebooks all over, all over the place. And you taught me this fun fact. Someone made some interns actually write in all of those notebooks. So yeah. it's cases. Book cases. Like a wall of notebooks. <laughs> Some poor souls had to just all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy that shit. <laughs> but it's because it's like I I wonder why because no one would have known. You know, just dump some water on them and leave them in the sun to dry and they'll look used. Maybe it's um like an employment program. Mm, maybe, but that is borderline Purple cruel and tunnel. unusual. Punishment. You have to fill three notebooks with actual sentences. God. 
anyhow, they're they're investigating this apartment, and there's nothing to indicate who this guy is. There's no payment stubs. We have a male unsub in his late 30s to 40s, not socially active. <laughs> He's withdrawn, doesn't like people. Is that what they say in the movie? Or is that no, like that's like a Criminal Minds joke. I'm not versed in the ways of Criminal Minds. Anyway, he's got a cigar box full of cash. And Mills is like, ha, nice, got his money. (laughs) (laughs) What a dick. Yeah. They just take that shit. It's in a box. Maybe somebody skims off of it. But that's not your shit anymore, you know, when it's part of an investigation. Yeah, it's um, Mike Ehrmantraut from Better Call Saul. Made his son take the money, lowered him, made him worse. Remember that? Remember that scene? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> For anyone who hasn't seen <laughs> seven, but has seen season one of Better Call Saul recently enough to recall that scene. Uh, so there's also a bunch of Polaroids. I find out this guy is doing his own photography of bullshit and this is where we see <laughs> bullshit well murder <laughs> it's like flowers against brick buildings you don't get it yeah. it's about the dichotomy between nature and industrialism and this is someone that i murdered <laughs> <laughs> moving on there's also that picture of mills in the stairway and mills gets to be like damn it it's the photographer also that photographer had a full head of hair Yes, he did. Meanwhile. It definitely wasn't the photographer. The, you know, Kevin Spacey paid photographer to go fuck with him. I'm sure, right? Is that the well, now I don't know. Because I, I always thought there's no, that's clearly not Kevin Spacey. I don't think it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be uh, another machination of John Doe to throw him off the trail. You think you got me, but you didn't. Also, John Doe calls the apartment. Just to say, bravo on finding me. You ruined my plans. Now I must go faster. Or whatever. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um. When does he call? When they're in the apartment. They're, they're all looking around. And the, the, the female detective uh, says, oh, not a single fingerprint. And right. Mel says, you're right. I don't believe you. And then the phone rings. And they find the phone. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so it's... It's like an organized hoarder's house, and they record it, the conversation, because they're filing away evidence for the hope that one day there's a trial. Oh, yeah. We kind of skirted over that conversation. Where, Very depressing. Yeah. 40% of murders go unsolved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, it It's a very depressing conversation earlier in the movie where Freeman basically says, you know what we do? We just pick up the pieces, that's all, and hope that they'll be relevant eventually. We're not changing the world. We are just finding little things and collecting them. That's all we do. It's pointless. And Somerset disagrees. Yes, he do. He wants to be a hero so bad. Yeah. Anyway, now it's Saturday. They're at a leather shop. And it's... You know, it's the way you would picture a BDSM scary place. Yeah. New in New York City, and they talk. <laughs> they talk to the counter, and they talk to the counter man. Sorry, yes. 
and they ask him. So somehow they found out. There was maybe a receipt. Maybe a receipt. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, still got that COVID brain. JK, don't know if it's COVID. I'm always this lightheaded and ditzy anyway. <laughs> At the leather shop, they ask the guy, you you know what this is? And he's like, yeah. And he shoves a, a Polaroid. And they look at it, and they're like, you made this? And he's like, yeah, I thought it was just some performance art or something. And the officers, the detectives are like, great, thanks, have a good day. And as they're walking out, the shop owner's like, the the picture? (laughs) The picture? (laughs) Fucking pigs. He's asking for a back, right? Yeah. Yeah, they just, oh, God, I just snuffled into the mic. Sorry. I'm getting more congested. Oh god. Yeah. Maybe it's the cat fur. Sure. Probably you're ruining everything. Get rid of him. Get rid of this cat. So they go to the sex shop now. Yeah. Um there's a blonde in a photograph from his apartment and They've been looking for her on the sly, and the police, they all hook up, and they're like, hey, we <laughs> we found the blonde. <laughs> they say it with that trepidation. And the <laughs> well, my lord, the thing about the blonde is, well, we found her, Sire. <laughs> and I was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he scurries away. God. So Mills and Somerset go to some club in New York City, a little bit of umps, umps, and they're in a back room in the basement, which all clubs in New York City have this, and written in blood on the wall is lust. And I like the puzzle that they put together for us, because we don't really see the body. And they're questioning the owner, and they're questioning some other... Well, also... (laughs) There's the guy who's in the room saying, get it off me. Yeah. Get it off me. We don't know what it is yet, but cut after that, questioning the owner, questioning the get it off me guy who's in a trauma blanket. And he looks terrible. He looks like uh, that scene in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when Dennis has sex with his wife, his ex-wife Maureen, after her breast implants. And it's that scene that focuses on his face as his he climaxes like the mighty t-rex and he's just all purple and sweaty the same face he has when he sleeps with the hippie guy's girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> or when frank has sex for lethal weapon five basically yeah. any sex face from it's, it's sunny. just that nightmare dampness yeah super sweaty and pallor and purple sex. also and purple yeah Anyway, that's what this uh, uh, accidental murderer looks like. And we get the picture shown to us, the Polaroid, and it's a leather jockstrap with a dick tube with a knife attached to it. Yeah, it's horrifying. And the explanation is that murder murderer victim guy said he asked me to put it on. He had a gun to my head. He had a gun to my head, man. And the owner knew nothing about it. Guys come in with packages all the time. So he was just another face in the crowd. Yeah. Uh, John Doe. And it's still a square one. Yeah. 
the two detectives head out to a bar and have a have a drink together and we really get to see the idealism of Mills against the nihil the nihilism of Somerset mm-hmm. and I think it's such a great conversation because it's basically Somerset gets put in his place by Mills and uh, I forget the exact quotes but Mills basically tells him he's pathetic and you're not giving up because you've lost faith you are trying to convince yourself that you've lost faith faith because you're giving up and um mill says i'll never give up uh i will save everyone and fix the world and you uh, are a quitter and they part ways at that and it clearly gets to somerset because rather than playing darts with the dark he takes out his switchblade which is appearance number two of the switchblade yeah almost motif and he's just hucking it into his dartboard and when he goes to sleep, his metronome, which he established to use to drown out the chaos of the city. Which, can I say, if I hear a clock ticking when I'm trying to fall asleep, that shit gives me anxiety. Yeah, I don't know how he sleeps to a metronome, but it is very all-encompassing and it lets him ignore the arguments on yeah. the street. But not tonight. He throws it against the wall and to the floor and destroys it. So, pretty... I don't know, it... It's not advanced, but it's uh, clearly effective use of these symbols and these objects to show where character's at, you know? Somerset has his switchblade, which is this destructive thing, and he's got his metronome, which is orderly, and he uses them both to, you know, communicate fucking turmoil. It's really solid, and I like it because it's easy to follow, so I can pick up on it and be like, aha. (laughs) Also, he throws him, like, super hard. (laughs) So we know he's mad. (laughs) Then does he sleep that night? Probably not. Everyone's arguing in the street. He's probably anxious on Sunday, which is a big day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, New body. No. 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 We've had all the bodies. There's only two bodies left, Envy and Wrath. Sunday opens up with Detective Mills and Somerset arriving at the job, and uh, the desk attendant says, I'm not your answering machine. Have your wife call your desk phone. And then John Doe says, well, what? What about the woman who, if she calls for help, she gets disfigured? That's Envy. That's oh, a new body. God damn. Thank you. I, <laughs> I thought Envy was John Doe. I totally forgot. In my defense, this is like a three-minute scene, and we never heard of or hear about this woman again. Yeah, no, but that's you're cool. absolutely correct. I totally skirted that. Um, that murder. Uh, the the murder is happens on Sunday, and she, it's it's really dumb. It, this kind of makes me think like okay whatever dude you can tie a man to a bed for a year but then this yeah and also like it's so simple like so fucking corny because what what did it was so (laughs) simple the murder is that john doe goes and he scars this uh you know model or some you know beautiful woman's face he cuts it off uh, uh, or disfigures her and he super glues a telephone to one hand and sleeping pills to commit suicide to the other. <laughs> it's like Saw 
where he's like, you can call for help, but you'll be ugly for the rest of your life, or you can end it all now. And she fucking kills herself. If you wait, if you're that famous and you wait long enough, someone's gonna check on you. Yeah, right? Like, she. It's not even that she has to wait. She can call for help right then. She has the phone and she still chooses suicide because she'll be scarred up. Is she supposed to actually be pride, not envy? Uh, yeah, pride or envy. I think it's pride. But okay, because he does talk about envy later. You're not wrong. Yeah, this one is so dumb. Like, A, super over the top simple. And also B, I don't care how prideful you are. If you get a cut on your face that you're going to be disfigured, you're not going to fucking kill yourself. Well, I guess I... I don't know. It, it seems like a very ridiculous stretch for him to kind of get that pride kill under his belt, you know? We all get old eventually. We're all going to have lines in our faces. Yeah. I think what did it for me is that <laughs> he had the phone glued to her hand, so it would have been the easiest thing in the world to just be 911. You wouldn't, like... Yeah. Right there. Hello? Um. <laughs> a bit of a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of, I, got, I don't know. I got some sleeping pills. You better hurry. Dump out the sleeping pills. Use the pill bottle to dial 911. It's a really simple number. Well, her thumb was free. That's, that's why it's so dumb. It's basically like... <laughs> Holding the phone, and you can. There's no impediment to her dialing 911 to get saved. The whole thing is either get saved and be scarred or kill yourself. Yeah. Which is so weak. We've already spent more. I have. I've already spent more time on this particular murder. You just than the hate movie women. Did. <laughs> you hate me? I I'm hate a woman. Long story short, the, the murder is dumb. Yeah. And then we return to the, the police. And then, station. yeah, the receptionist, she's, well, the police, police administrative assistant, desk duty. She went to the police academy, Jenny. All six months of it. Secretary. <laughs> um, I think you have to go to school longer to be an administrative assistant. Yeah. God, crazy, what yeah. the fuck? Um, anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm spiraling. Uh, Let's talk about the movie. Uh, (laughs) John Doe comes in. They're just kind of saying like, this murder is crazy. Uh, What are we going to do? We have no leads. Meanwhile, walking behind them saying, officer, officer. That's, I love the delivery of this line. Uh, I think, you know, it. it's so intense because he's trying to get their attention and you don't even notice it until he demands you to notice it because he's saying, detective, covered in blood, Yo. head to toe. Detective, and then he has to scream it and his scream is, um, you know, a, a fantastic delivery. Yes, Kevin Spacey. Yes. And Unfortunately. Kevin Spacey is like, I think you're looking for me. Yeah. And... Different fun fact, I think everybody knows this, but Kevin Spacey asked not to be credited in trailers or at the beginning of the movie or on the poster um, to maintain the surprise of who John Doe is. 
you know, it's so, fucking Kevin Spacey. Yeah, so when he's revealed here, that's the first time someone in the theater would even know Kevin Spacey was in the movie. Just like Kaiser Soze. Yes, and then he is the first credited on the end credits. Of course. Does starring Kevin Spacey right away. Right? Fucker. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he reveals himself to the detectives and lets himself get arrested. Yep. And we find out that he is John Doe by choice. No employment history. Uh, you know, uh, nothing nothing to call back to him. And he gets a high-profile lawyer. I don't know how he got in contact with this man. Probably just the one phone call, and maybe he has had a lawyer phone number memorized for years and years. Also, somehow he can pay the retainer when they got all his money. Maybe he's had him the whole time. They do anyway. say that he's independently wealthy at one point, like... I think they imply that he has a ton of money. More than what was in that box yeah. under his bed. But and he doesn't have a bank account. I don't know, man. They just say, at one point, independently wealthy. Or We live in a society. We do. We live it's not about in a money. society. It's about sending a message. Burn it. Okay. Burn my anyway, the lawyer essentially blackmails them. He says, my client will confess... Um, if you give him his nut, otherwise, uh, otherwise he'll go full insanity. For those not in the know, can you please explain what the lawyer, uh, is asking for in terms of his nut? <laughs> what is, <laughs> what is John Doe's nut? Um, frankly, I have spaced on the nut. <laughs> I was hoping we could just skirt by by saying nut. <laughs> His nut is that he and Detective Nelson Somerset go solo out into the desert. Oh, right. He's Jesus. Like, we go solo to the desert, uh, and you kind of play into my little ending of this, and I will admit to full guilt and you know, throw myself on the sword. And if you don't, I'm pleading insanity. Yeah. And then Somerset and the lawyer are kind of on top of it because Somerset's like, this conversation's admissible in court. You know, we could just say, obviously not insanity. And then the lawyer says, well, also, since it's admissible in court, everyone would know that you chose not to check. You know, so that's pretty shitty. Um, and then they ultimately agree and they get suited up and... They shave their chests. They shave their chests for the wire, yeah. And, uh, the wire. best friends. <gasps> the wire, yeah. That show is so called... Because of wires. Oh my god. It is about wire time. I just understood it. Anyway, they're wearing wires, and it's the three buddies in the car. John Doe's in the back seat, and he's giving some bullshit speech about how the world, um, there's a hole in the world like a great black pit, and it's filled with people who are filled with shit, and the vermin of the world inhabit it, and it goes by the name of Earth. Mm. And that's his whole spiel. I thought that was... London. London is part of it. Oh, it is under the Earth umbrella. You're right. Anyway, that's that's his stance. Essentially, people suck. He is righteous, and Mills and him have a little back and forth. Mills is like, "You're crazy," and Kevin Spacey's like, "I'm crazy." There's pederasts out there, <laughs> of which I am, and there are murderers and rapers and just evil, terrible people. And Mills is like, murderers like you. And, 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 and. Um, it gets heated. Mills kind of loses the debate. Yeah. He 
he loses his cool and Kevin Spacey just gets to be like mm-hmm. yeah he's cool I win <laughs> Kevin actually Kevin Spacey yes <laughs> he broke the scene and the Ke- Fincher's like that's genius that's genius Spacey we're leaving so- it in they're in the middle of a desert, which I didn't know New York had those. Maybe it's supposed to be like L.A. 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 Like it's a nondescript city, and now they're in a desert with power lines. Yeah, what the fuck? What was up with that? Maybe. What's know. in the desert? <laughs> oh, my God. What's in the fucking desert? <laughs> Putting the cart before the horse. They're... <laughs> They get to some GPS location, and Kevin Spacey asks the time, 7.01, any minute now. And down from the north comes a van on this dusty trail. And Somerset calls it in, and he runs to the car because he's going to catch up with the van. And he cuts the van off, and he threatens some scared box boy. What are you doing out here? Mm-hmm. Box boy says, I got paid five hundred dollars which is a lot in 1995 and i was asked to bring this box to to mills uh david yeah detective david mills i have a box for him and we got a uh the helicopter who's following them which we should have mentioned uh not flighted by dr cox but he's in the he's in there and he says it's a bomb get the bomb squad obviously a bomb <laughs> and Somerset says, I'm, I'm going to open it because he's a curious guy. Yeah, and just uh, as a quick interjection, how, I mean, Morgan Freeman, obviously such a good actor, but throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. Somerset is the guy on top of everything. And you get to see him be calm and collected, and he's got all the answers. And now he's standing over this box fucking terrified he's like i i don't know i don't know i don't know what to do and that's so uh, effective at being like holy shit this this is going down Mm -hmm. he's not slowly reading dante's inferno anymore he's in the shit maybe the ramp up is why this movie is hailed regarded so high yeah he opens the box after the first layer there's a little bit of blood he opens the box all the way and he shouts out to Mills throw your gun away meanwhile cut back to Mills you want to take us home Danny yeah sure so he opens the box recoils I love when he's running towards Mills uh, and shouting to throw his gun away the line John Doe has the upper hand it's just such a cool line I I don't know it's so simple but badass and like oh fuck really intense and then we have Brad Pitt screaming what's in the box what's in the fucking box and you know this this has been memed to hell you know what's in the box and even his delivery and I wish I could remove that from my mind because I think that's a really great anguished performance but I always kind of think it's silly because I think of the memes I've seen where, uh, you know, for example, um, when you shake your cat treat container and the cat comes over and it's like, what's in the box? What's in the fucking box? 
<laughs> and it's like, damn, that's really funny, but this is super intense. It's heart-wrenching. Because we get it, too. Yeah. Because John Doe says, I admire you. I admire your wife. Your pretty wife. I woke up early this morning and I went to your house. After you and left, I of course. Tried to play husband. Mm-hmm. Which is a very insidious line. Mm-hmm. It always kind of makes my skin crawl. And then he says, it didn't work out, so I took a souvenir. I took her pretty little head. And Mills doesn't want to believe it. But Somerset can't lie to him and say she's fine because he just saw her head. And he tries, tries to say, like, look, if you kill him, he wins. People can lie all the time. I don't get why Somerset can't lie right now. Uh, yeah, I wonder if it's just, uh, if it's supposed to be he's principled or he's so off his game he doesn't know. Um, yeah, but maybe. Yeah, he confirms that the head is in the box, she's dead, and... Well... <laughs> she might not. Her head a... in the box, and we assume she's dead. Her head's definitely in the box. She might be resurrectable. Uh, a lich? A lich. Or Morgan Freeman might be playing a warlock this whole time. Anyhow, Brad Pitt goes through some stages of denial, which is, again, well acted, but. I've just seen too many memes, so it's kind of spoiled for me now. And then... Denial is the first stage. Yeah, he's not accepting it. And then, and then anger. see him get pissed. And then the anger manifests in he is wrath. Yes. And he becomes wrath, and he shoots uh, John Doe in the head, and then his corpse, four or five times, walks off. And the people in the helicopter are like, what the fuck? Set us down now. Somebody call somebody. Like, uh, it, it's, again, really satisfying payoff of no one knows what's going on. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the movie, Detective Mills is being carted away because soon he got arrested or he's going somewhere. Well, Arlie we'll Ernie, take care of him. Yeah. Arlie Ermey says, oh, we'll take care of him, uh, which implies he's not going to face uh, the standard consequences for his murder. What are those standard consequences uh, for a police officer who commits murder, Dan? Mm-hmm. Paid leave. Mills is going unpaid leave at the end of this movie. And then the final quote, of course, very iconic. Uh, I forget who the quote is attributed to. Maybe Shakespeare or something. He's like, someone once said, Ernest Hemingway once wrote, Mm. uh, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. So, you know, his... Cynicism is still there, but he's he's willing to deal with it. Yeah, to he protect says the people that are worth protecting. I'll be around, you know. He's gonna yeah. keep being a good cop. Yep, and I don't know, man. Just really fantastic ending. I think I just I love this movie. It's super well acted, uh, super well shot, and the writing is so entertaining. It it just zips along. It's super quick. Uh, I love it. I yeah. I really recommend it. It's a really good movie. What do you uh, likes, dislikes? Uh, dislikes, classic 90s slurs. Yeah. R word. Slur for a homosexual person. I uh, will. Ableism. <laughs> yeah, I have an opinion on 
the F word that okay. Mills uses. Go ahead. Uh, I do think it's not necessary, <laughs> but I also think that at that moment, um, the reason I think it's not necessary is because the context in which it's used. Uh, the context in which it's used is that he is inadequate compared to Somerset. He can't read these books. He doesn't get this shit. It, whatever Somerset is trying to tell him is escaping him. So I think it's a good scene of frustration, but they just stop before calling Voltaire uh, an F word for being a poet uh, prodigy, you know, like, yeah, and it, w it was such a good scene up until he, he ruined it. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, otherwise it's aged well. Yeah. It's super intense. It's really dark. I, it's very dark. I like that. Yeah, I like a good dark movie. Is it too dark? I'm... No. Oh, um. Can we, so, can we talk fridging real quick? Yes. Just real quick. Uh, how do you think they handled Gwyneth Paltrow's character in this movie? She and a baby got fridged. <laughs> I. I think. Okay. I agree somewhat. Because I think, yeah. She was killed to show the anguish of Mills. You know, what, like, her purpose was to die. But she also got a scene dedicated strictly to her and, like, how she wanted to be a, a good wife to Mills, but also it wasn't, like, the scene with her and Morgan Freeman where we got to hear about her wants and desires and her fears, you know? I feel like the movie that didn't give a shit about the woman at all wouldn't have that. That's fair. Um, I think she also did prove a point that John Doe wasn't just doing it for the seven deadly sins and to prove a point murders, because what sin is she? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And he got two murders for that. Well, I guess it depends how you feel about that, but, you know, two for the price of one <laughs> in some <Yeah>. circles. <laughs> cool. Should we write this thing on three? Do you have any closing thoughts on, uh, on the tip of your tongue? Um, I have to pee really bad. Let's write this thing on three. Okay. And then I'll handle the socials uh, for the outro. Wow. Uh, one, two, three, nine. Eight. Okay, eight and a half. Eight and a half. Cool. I'm fine with eight and a half. Cool, yeah. It's a super good movie. Um, I like it a lot. I'd recommend it. I don't think, um, um, yeah, it's good. I don't have anything deeper to say. I feel, well, wait, uh, for as... Um, the movie preaches a lot about apathy and you, how people are shit but then Morgan Freeman is a shining light of humanity in the end because he's just trying to get by like all of us but he's not going to give up that's fair okay uh, so it is just Daniel now uh, socials are at rmr underscore podcast on twitter and our website is RookieMovieReviews.com. And we have a Facebook, Rookie Movie Reviews. And we have a Gmail, RookieMovieReview, singular, at gmail.com. We always joked about trying to find the guy with the S, and I found out that once a email address is taken, it can never be used again. So if you're out there and you have RookieMovieReviews at gmail.com, we surrender. It is yours forever. We will have to make do. Thank you very much. Bye.